Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the All Sooners podcast, episode 208, I think. Uh, it's a post-game edition, and uh, we are live from the press box at Nippert Stadium. Sorry, historic Nipper Stadium. Nippert Stadium is where the uh, Oklahoma Sooners took down the Cincinnati Bearcats, 20-6 to today, this afternoon. Sunsplash afternoon, Big 12 opener for both teams. Everybody loved it. Hard-hitting football game. We were here to cover it, and uh, the Sooners walked out of here with a 20-6 to victory. John Hoover, Randall Sweet, Ryan Chapman on the scene again in Cincinnati. We, in between Skyline Chili and Pompilio's, who knows what's for dinner tonight, who knows what's for breakfast tomorrow. I think we got it all covered, guys. We got it all covered, and uh, historic Nippert Stadium, but I'll say this. Cincinnati, game one, curtain raiser of the Big 12 Conference, not just for 2023. Incredible atmosphere, incredible student section. Uh, Nippert's kind of built down in the middle of campus. And so while you may go 38,193 or whatever it was, it was loud. We could hear it from the press box. But it's no Bobby Dodd Stadium, the actual <laughs> oldest stadium in the country. Randall, how was your experience down on the field, man? Tell us about the vibes. It was extremely loud. If you're a college football fan, the Nippert Stadium is a place that I think that you would love to see a game because the atmosphere is lively. They love their team. They're super um, – they, they act exactly like a good fan base would, uh, you know, booing the opposing team, uh, you know, cheering on their guys, and they were loud. The, I mean, until about the fourth quarter when the game was kind of out of hand, uh, they were there. They were uh, rowdy. And they were supporting their their team. I mean, when we were shooting in in the end zone that's right next to the student section. The the yells were were deafening. I mean, uh, it was uh, you would not think being on the field that there was uh, less than thirty nine thousand people in that stadium. That's for sure. I think it was Andrew Anthony. It might have been Walter Rouse who said that stadium was loud. Yeah. Those guys were having a hard time hearing uh, the the Oklahoma offense was, and that may have explained a few glitches here and there. You know, they're playing literally on the road for the first time in a hostile atmosphere for the first time this year. Um, they go out, they kind of, the first, uh, the first, I think they pick up the first down and then they end up punting and then they give up a field goal and it's 3 nothing. They're down 3 nothing. Dylan Gabriel marches them down the field and fumbles. It's like, guys, I think Oklahoma's in for a fish fight today. Dylan Gabriel marches them down the field. He didn't need to march them down the field if he could just throw the deep ball. Which, That's true. Um, Dylan Gabriel's been hyper-efficient through the non-conference play. That ended today. He wasn't awful. He was good enough to win this football game. But some of, the, some of the stuff we had been talking about all non-conference long was some of the deep balls, right? A yeah. couple of these should have been touchdowns here or there. And we always were earmarking against better competition. That crap matters. Well, it didn't matter today. Oklahoma's defense was that good. It was the story of the game. And we'll dive into all that. But we did see the return of last year's Dylan Gabriel, which meant that there were a couple of haywire decisions, a couple of uh, deep balls that just didn't make their mark. But all in all, a gritty performance from the Oklahoma quarterback is uh, you saw when he really got involved with the QB run game. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, you mentioned some of those throws that he missed. One that sticks out to me is Jalil Farouk, right by uh, that one probably would have been a touchdown that he Opening hit. Opening drive, right? I, I, it was, drive number two. Yeah, it was it, second drive. Yeah. Second drive. It was the fumble drive. Yeah, and, and I mean, it was uh, if he hit Farouk in stride, that's probably a touchdown. And then, you know, on uh, the drive before the fumble, he, the ball actually I think went off Gabriel's shoulder pad. Uh, was uh, missed. The, some miscommunication. It was on Ram. yeah. Some sort of miscommunication with the snap. But, yeah, like Ryan was saying. Yeah, there's just there's a couple glitches here and there. Like I said, noise from the student section, which was really good. We were sitting right above it up in the press box. We're looking down, and they had their little balloons going and then synchronized cheering. They got it down pretty good here. 
they're going to make a good Big 12 team. They might be one of those teams that, uh, that actually sits at the top of the standings every year in the Big 12 moving forward. Uh, what Guys, what did you take away from the Oklahoma offense this game? Running the football, I thought, and using Dylan Gabriel as a weapon. Not a first choice, but they did it. They resorted to it. They came at it with a second drive, got, a, got down into the red zone, and like I said, fumbled. But it became, later on in the game, it became a weapon. And I thought that was interesting that they actually weaponized Dylan Gabriel's feet. Yeah, and I think that that helped them. Jeff Levy talked about in his post game that they finally found some rhythm in the run game uh, in that third quarter. They marched on a 75-yard drive. That was their lone touchdown drive in the second half. And look, uh, I harp on the offensive line play as much as anyone. It hasn't been great. Um, elite, especially, wasn't really great in 2021. I think that a lot of OU fans came out of this game today and almost had a double standard. We talked all week, what did we talk about this game, yeah. one matchup, Cincinnati's defensive line, they're really good. This is an Oklahoma offensive line that you saw the warts. They're not going to be overwhelming on anyone. They're not going to be dominant at any point. They haven't, they've been too hot and cold, and Jeff Levy talked about it. They had inconsistencies all over the place. But at the end of the day, they showed the potential of A, I think they wore down the Cincinnati defensive line, and it was just five guys mainly rolling for the OU offensive line. And B, they were able to put together two scoring drives when they needed to. So is it going to need to be better to play Texas? Yeah. But this defensive line is just as good as Texas' defensive line. Now, the rest of Texas' defense is way better, but I thought the offensive line was fine, not better, not yeah. worse, room to improve. I just didn't think that they were like – I think the encouraging thing, if you want to think about it, is it wasn't like they were just physically overmatched every single time. There were a lot of communication issues, which can be fixed. I just don't know if they will be fixed. We've seen this interior – Andrew Raymond became a tower are what they are at this point in their careers. Um, Troy Everett started. No Savion Bird today. He went the distance. Everybody talked a lot about Caden Green this week. Uh, that didn't really materialize much, did it? I don't think he played. Did he play? He, he was in there a little, a little bit, bit in the but fourth, not fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. Yeah. So, so that wasn't something that, you listen, you don't want to run a, a true freshman out there against some of the guys that uh, Cincinnati rolls out on the defensive line. But uh, running the football, Randall, for that yeah. offense, uh, it, it, Marcus Major, I think, had 63 yards rushing. Had a decent day. Had an 18-yarder and a 19-yarder. He had a couple of where he got tackled by a shoestring. Didn't offer much resistance. But uh, on the whole, you know, he had a, something in the passing game too, I think 18 yards receiving or something like that. He was, he was a valued member. He was the guy today. He became the guy. Marcus Major became the guy who was the most valuable running back, I thought. Yeah, and it's really interesting because it feels like every week it's a different running back leading yeah. the team and carries. I mean, two weeks ago, Tawi Walker against SMU ran for over 100 yards and has kind of been, um, I don't want to say an afterthought, but last week didn't get any touches, this week limited touches. Um, and then, you know, last week it was Gavin Sawchuck and Javante Barnes who led the team in touches. And I don't think either one of them even saw the field today. Crazy. Um, so What's it's going on there? Yeah, it's really, really weird the way that, they, that the uh, OU coaching staff is rotating these running backs in. But like you said about Marcus Major, he did make some nice plays. One specifically that sticks out to me on third and 19, they ran a draw play and he picked up the first down. Um, you know, when you can do that, that's huge. Obviously, I don't think the OU offense can count on that uh, most plays. But uh, like you said, he made, made a few nice plays here and there. And if they can get the running back room figured out where you – know where to slot and how to how many reps to play each of these guys then you might see um you know you might see these guys used uh better to their skill sets because you know we we, we might not see all the marcus major tackled by a shoestring runs yeah. and instead we're seeing more you know hit big runs on regularity 
after the game, Jeff Logan was asked about the running back usage, and he basically said that on tape, they thought Marcus Major was the matchup that was going to be best for this defensive front. That's great if they saw it. I, guys, Marcus Major had three good plays, and I thought he was not fine. Not, I thought he was flat out bad the rest of the game. He couldn't keep his feet. He blew not one, but two blitz protections. Tommy Walker only got five carries. Tommy Walker looked better on yes. his five carries mm-hmm. than at any point Marcus Major had, and that includes the two 19-yard runs for Marcus Major. I have no idea what they're doing. Uh, I, Marcus Major is what he is. Much like Andrew Rabe who came in tower, he's a great piece to the running back group, all that stuff. If he's your lead back, you're not going to have a rushing attack that can win you a Big 12 championship, and that's the standard they want to hold themselves to. Yeah, he did have. I thought he did overcome a rough start. I thought he had a very bad start, and I yeah. thought he kind of picked it up at the end. He was delivering some four- and five-yard runs in traffic, so I'll defend Marcus Major today for the way he finished the game. And those two runs, those two long runs were really nice. Wouldn't you rather have Tommy Walker? They might have scored a second touchdown in the second half, though. Possibly. I, Major, he just – I just he, don't think those guys are getting any space. I, yeah, well, he fell down like four times. He, he couldn't stay on his he feet. Did. He did. I, I also, you mentioned Tawi Walker. I think he also added some in the pass game that, you know, you mentioned Marcus Major caught some passes, but Tawi Walker, he looked really good as like a little dump-off option. And I thought that whenever he came into the into the game early, I think it was maybe first, second quarter, it looked like and felt like to me on the field that the OU offense moved a lot more smoothly when he was in the game. Now, I'm not saying that's a direct result of who's playing running back, but it's just something I noticed. Those, those Walker catches on that, it was the third drive. It was the touchdown drive. I thought it was really key because I, I turned to Hoove. It was one dump off where yeah. Walker just got basically a first down. That's the drive after the Farouk overthrow mm-hmm. and the fumble, and I turned to Hoove and I was like, they got a short pass, I think it was, to Farouk maybe behind the line of scrimmage. There was a Drake Stoops really short pass. There was that Walker. I don't know if it was just because Walker was in the game or what, but I thought that settled Gabriel back yeah. in after kind of that shaky yep. second drive. Oklahoma went down and got the touchdown and the field. It was weird. This The, the first half was 10-3. Britt Middleton said this after the game. 10-3 score in the first half. 10-3 to three score in the second half, and it, and it felt similar because Oklahoma on back-to-back drives scored yeah. in both halves. It was weird. And uh, you talk about complementary football a lot and the importance of it. Oklahoma rose up the defense and got a stop, got a, a long field goal, I think, they, that made him kick a long field yeah. goal. Then the Oklahoma offense goes uh, marches 75 yards for a touchdown. Then the Oklahoma defense gets a fourth down stop, and the game was over. The game was over at that point. So that, and we're talk, still talking third quarter there, so. Uh, I thought that was a good example of complimentary football. Speaking of complimentary football, let's offer some compliments to Dylan Gabriel in the passing game. Yes, he overthrew two dudes in the end zone. Yes, he overthrew Jalil Farouk for a touchdown, which would have been an easy walk-in score. I said he overthrew Jalil Farouk. That's new. It's a new, <laughs> it's a new wrinkle. It's, it's not underthrowing. It's, but the problem is he didn't give him a chance to catch it. He just threw it over his head. Um but he had over 200 yards, around 200 yards in the first quarter, am I right? Yeah. He had 300 at, at uh, going into the third quarter, finished with 322. So uh, Dylan Gabriel, I th- and running the football, he was he had the low, uh, yes, he lost the football at one time. He got hit. I don't like that play. But they come and run the speed option on the next possession. He gets in the end zone, lowers his shoulder, plows the dude into the end zone, gets pulled in. I thought Dylan played really well today, except for about four or five plays. Yeah, he had, he also had the really weird where – He it, tried to throw it backwards. Oh, my God. I don't know <laughs> how it. to even break down what happened on that play <laughs> other than Andrew either. Anthony was running behind the line of scrimmage, which yeah. heads up play by Cincinnati just to say, dead, you're gone, RIP, and then Gabriel didn't look over. But other than that, I, I think that Gabriel reverted to last year's version of himself 
which is not necessarily a bad thing because remember in the offseason we talked about in a bunch of those games, not like West Virginia, but the, a couple of the losses, Baylor, Texas Tech, Kansas State. We came back and we're like, I, I understand that Dylan Gabriel didn't rise up and make the two or three throws that everyone wanted him to make, but if you just look at his game in a vacuum, he played well enough to win the football game. Oklahoma just didn't have the defense to, to push that across the finish line. I think he played the exact same way today, guys. And guess what? Oklahoma had the defense to, to push them across the finish line. Today. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I kind of wonder if him reverting back to some of that last year was he got hit a few times early in this game, which I don't think we've seen as much this year. And I kind of wonder if maybe that rattled him a little bit, especially just knowing uh, you know, in his head who the Cincinnati has on their defensive line with Briggs and Corleone. Yeah, those guys were good up front. There's no doubt the uh, Cincinnati defensive line is legit. Uh, they were controlling the line of scrimmage mostly in the first quarter for sure as the game started getting out and they started uh, spreading things out, getting in the passing game a little bit, made those guys run, tired them down, wore them down a little bit. But uh, Gabriel was good. Uh, Gabriel wasn't great, but he was good. 322, 26 of 38, one touchdown, no interceptions. Here's the deal. He came into the day knowing that he was 0-2 against the Cincinnati Bearcats and had taken an L against Satterfield when he was at Louisville. So... These things tend to motivate guys, and sometimes they get under their skin, and sometimes they make them get outside themselves. I, here, here's the bottom line on Dilly Gabriel today. If he plays like this in the remaining, what is it, eight games? Can I math correctly? Whatever it is. Oklahoma will win all those games except for one. And it'll be the Cotton Bowl. Like he's got to play better against Texas to yeah. win that football game. Yeah. Look across the Big 12. If he plays like this today and the defense plays like that, Oklahoma will in the regular season probably eleven and one. I think Oklahoma fans would take that. Yeah, I'd be right. crazy not to off at six and seven. Yeah. We've uh, we've touched on the defense quite a bit. Real quick on the offense, uh, Andrew Anthony seven catches for one hundred seventeen yards. Guess who's wo one? Guess who's the number one wideout on this team? I think we're starting to see uh, more yeah. consistently Andrew Anthony. I mean, every week it seems like they hit him for a big shot yeah, deep down 49 the field. yards a day. Yeah, I mean, and, and, that, and that catch today wasn't even like usual where he's beat the defender by a few <laughs> steps and he just has to turn around and catch it. I mean, today he had to fight through the defender's hands, keep his concentration, and then haul it in, uh, all while obviously being, you know, like you said, 50 yards downfield. Yeah. It, was re- it was a really impressive play, and I mean, his speed is game-breaking for the Sooners every single week. I mean, usually they try to hit him early in the game for one yeah. of those deep shots. Today it was uh, in the third quarter. But, again, when they're able to stretch the defense like that, when Dylan Gabriel is actually hitting those throws, when he's not missing those guys deep down the field, I mean, Andrew Anthony is a, has been a huge asset for the Sooners' offense this season. And if they weren't able to pick him up in the portal, I mean – where would they be? Right. That, that, that's the question that I'm, I'm really asking what myself. What was funny about that particular play, that 49-yard catch, he's fighting through the pass interference. He's getting his hands on the football. He's trying to get around and catch it. There was a certain TV personality in the uh, Oklahoma City metro area who's <laughs> sitting next to us today. While the ball was in the air, we, Ryan and I were getting commentary in the press box. He just can't throw it that far. That's just – he can't throw it. And meanwhile, Anthony's down here going, <laughs> taking it away. It was so cool. It was really but, funny. Uh, that was good. But also, I, I think, too, think about the, the situation which Jeff Levy and Dylan Gabriel had the faith to throw that up to, yeah. to Andrew Anthony. We talk about that 49-yard pass. We talk about milking out the clock and, and icing the game. That was not the touchdown drive in the second half. Yeah. That was – oh, you had the touchdown drive, fourth down stop. And that was like the first play straight out of the shoot to end the third quarter. 
if Oklahoma didn't have that kind of faith in him, if Jeff Levy had been a little bit more conservative, like he had, he had self-labeled his game uh, against SMU, maybe they run into the back of the offensive line a couple of times, and instead of extending it to 20-6, to six, it sits at 17-6, to six, right. and Cincinnati has the whole fourth quarter to try and recapture some momentum. But from that point on, that was going toward the student section. The student section didn't clear out until Billy Bowman caught his, yes. like, 15-tipped ball <laughs> interception. But the student section was dead mm. from the moment that Andrew Anthony came down with that football. Yeah, and I, I, I know uh, it's not Andrew, but Nick Anderson also caught another touchdown. Yeah. And, I mean, it's it – As an effort to get him the football. Yeah. Hey, smart. Yeah, I mean, like, it was, you could tell it was designed a rollout, uh, him running to the same side as DG. And, I mean – he he showed he's shown again that he's going to be a special player. I mean, I think that was his only catch of the game. Yeah. But still, I mean, so in his last two games, four catches for four touchdowns. Not bad. It's pretty good. <laughs> he, he had three grabs today. Did he? Okay. So, yeah. Okay. There you go. Uh, let's talk about the defense, Ryan. You did a sidebar tonight from the from the press box here on third down and fourth down conversions. Sooners only gave up three of fifteen on third down, one of four. On fourth down, what does that add up to? Four of 19? That's winning football, guys. Yeah. This defense is, uh, I think they may have turned a corner. Desan McCullough labeled that kind of effort championship football. Now, we'll Brett Venables, <laughs> Billy Bowman, Desan McCullough, Danny Stutzman, Key Lawrence. The first thing that all five of the guys, guys talked about in the postgame is there's still a lot to go. There's still a lot to go. Brett Venables refused to call it dominant. But I've got some other numbers for you guys. He was invited to call it dominant. He said, no, he said, dominant is no. when you dominate somebody, shut them down, and play almost perfect. Oklahoma didn't do that. He, here's some numbers, other numbers. There are four of 19 today, 10 of 19 on third and fourth downs, giving up 275 rushing yards, giving up 148 yards on the ground, four tutties to a running quarterback. That is when Kansas State pants Brent Venable's defense in the Big 12 opener last year that's what the bad looks like four of 19 today coming into the game this was the nation's number eighth ranked rushing attack in the country oklahoma held them nearly 80 yards under their average on the ground just in with 161 emory jones 58 yards on the ground no touchdowns you want to talk about improvement everyone in norman's pretty gun shy on saying this yeah. defense is for real understandably after how the non-conference went last year versus conference play this Cincinnati team is not as good as that Kansas State team was. Kansas State went and won a Big 12 championship. But I think the rushing attack, not as talented with Deuce Vaughn. Emory Jones is a better runner than Adrian Martinez. I think that uh, this rushing attack is firing on all cylinders. And Oklahoma, just put those two numbers together and go to allseniors.com. I did. And uh, it's clear, night and day. Randall, um, the <laughs> – the way Danny Stutzman has taken over this defense yeah. is something that's really impressive to me. Uh, he, you know, he, he talked he, – he offered a few little snippets after the game, some minor uh, almost coach-speak comments about, you know, where he's at and where the defense is at. But let's be honest, he's got another shot at being a, a National Player of the Week again this year. Thirteen tackles, three-and-a-half tackles for loss and a quarterback sack. Yeah, I mean – with the four performances he stacked to start this season, you have to think that at least at the moment he's making a run at the Butkus Award. Maybe. I mean, again, right. I don't want to look forward too far, but at the moment he has to be in the conversation. I mean, the pick six against SMU, or against Tulsa, I mean, the, I think, 17 tackle game against yeah. SMU, mm -hmm. 13 again today. He had a, a sack that I think Ryan mentioned was for 11 yards. Uh, he was all over the field, and, man, when he hits people – 
It does not look fun. I mean, he flies downhill and will crush a quarterback or a running back. Can you tell his uh, leadership, his communication, everything is better now than oh, it's ever been? I mean, you're down there on the field. Yeah. Tell us about that. Absolutely. I mean, you can see. I mean, you can see him after the play. You know, ra- rounding up his teammates. You know, putting them in the right position back over again, uplifting everyone. And before the play, obviously, you can you can see him and hear him calling out. You know different checks, uh, different motions that the offense is doing, things like that. And the connection that him and Jaron Kanak have is really, really special. I mean, the way that those two are able to communicate and talk with each other on the field, even, again, I can't hear while the play's going on, but it looks like during the play they're able, especially during pass reps and things like that, they're able to communicate with each other about who's dropping where, who's got what responsibility. And I think those two as a duo play really well together. Yeah, and... Ryan? Real, real quick, yeah, on Jaron Canick, he obviously exited the game. Brent Venables offered a quick update, so get to that before we forget. Mm-hmm. Um, he said they checked him out uh, locally, not released from the hospital, not in the hospital. They said they think he'll be okay. I know that looks scary as they stretched him off. Took a shot to the chest. Took a yeah. shot to the chest. So I don't I, know what so, that means, like a bruised lung or something? Yeah, I, mean, I just want to give that update real quick while, no before I move on. So you have that going. But, yeah, I mean, Jasama McCullough, back to Daniel Sussman, labeled that as butt-kiss level play. And uh, Oklahoma's defense has a, a really clear leader. They, yes. they have a voice. And th- this was a big conversation last year, just not to take a shot at any guys. I'm not going to name anybody. But it matters a great deal when your most vocal leader is also your best player. Hmm. And Danny Stutzman has been the best player for this Oklahoma defense. But as a whole, we noted this. So Danny Stutzman had a couple of plays where he's on the ground just holding a guy up, waiting for someone else to rally to the football there were a few of those in the secondary. Rondell Bothroyd had a mm-hmm. tackle for loss where he was on the ground, got bent over backwards, and still pulled the running back back down for forward progress. The Samakola had one of those. This defense is just bigger, faster, stronger, smarter. Yeah. They are better in okay. every single way, and they're still rolling. Josiah Wagner got some play. Like, they are still rotating guys through in the secondary so, big time. One, uh, one uh, no, four games, three touchdowns they've allowed. Right, I mean that's that's crazy. Two field goals again today. They are playing at a at an extremely high level. And you you mentioned the guys that are rotating in. Makari Vickers got in the game, I think, in the second quarter, second quarter. and he's a true yeah. freshman. And immediately when he came into the game, he made a one on one tackle in the open field. And I mean that's stuff that I don't want to say we didn't see this from the defense last year, but that's a tackle, that's a play that you know last year maybe springs for fifty rather than seven. Yeah. And and I think that also um, you know talking about. Just the, the different things that, you know, you can measure. The defense is better. They hit harder. They're everywhere on the field. Roof mentioned it again today in the postgame. They have the population around the ball. And, that, I mean, you notice that when you're watching. There's five, six guys around the ball every single play. And he, he cited that in the Billy Bowman interception, which obviously it's a bit of luck when the ball bounces off like six different players. But what he said was we – we were able to capitalize on that lucky play because we had population around the football. Yeah. And he's absolutely right. That's a good point. So see what they're doing there. Guys are not taking on the blocks with the wrong shoulder where where a guy, the ball carrier, runs outside of them and escapes by three yards. So there are more pileups at the line of scrimmage because yes. guys are taking being disciplined, taking on blocks with the right shoulder. Simple stuff. And that's creating pileups and allowing other guys to come in and gang tackle. That's what you're seeing a lot more of is just discipline at the at the point of attack. Yeah, yeah. and and Brent Venables in the post game said that he played thirty something mm-hmm. uh, defensive players. Mm-hmm. Just run it down. Not only did Oklahoma play thirty defensive players, twenty five of those guys logged a statistics, whether that be a tackle, a half tackle, a pass breakup, a quarterback curry. 
That is why they're rotating so much, not because they're just rotating for the sake of rotation. In a Big 12 game, a Big 12 opener, there wasn't real garbage time today. Yep. Oklahoma had 25 guys contribute somehow in the box score. That is competitive depth. Everybody drink. Let's talk about one guy. Let's talk about number one. Let's talk about Desan McCulloch. He's out there by himself today. No Justin Harrington back home with the uh, apparent long-term possible injury. Uh, so Desan McCulloch is your cheetah linebacker moving forward. Saw him drop a lot today. Saw him in almost like deep third coverage. It was really strange. Uh, but I'm, I'm bringing him after the quarterback on every play. I just, I'm not disciplined like that. What did you think of the way he played? I, especially for his first time really playing that spot, I, I thought he was pretty good. He had the one big bust, the one really noticeable yeah, bust. Yeah. Key Lawrence bailed him out. But Desan, he talked about that after the game. He's like, as soon as it happened, I knew it was a huge bust. I head over to the sideline. I knew it was Brent Venables, like a Brent Venables was about to happen, things like that. But for the most part, outside of that, and there was one on maybe the first drive that wasn't a bust, but I was just like, ah, I would have rather had a corner or a safety over there. In the second half, I didn't notice he was dropping as much. Not because he was not dropping as much, but because it wasn't an issue or yeah, things like that. On him, yeah, yeah. And, and so uh, I think that that's, A, a testament to Brent Menables was dropping him, but he was also bringing pressure from different places. The first quarter felt like you're watching Clemson's defense, mm-hmm. where it was just like, screw it, every blitz <laughs> in the book, go for it. Um, and, and I thought that he was a guy that he needed a bunch of these reps today. He's going to need a bunch of those reps in Norman next weekend against Iowa State. Yep. I thought he was good today. I didn't think he was good enough to feel comfortable putting out on Jatavian Sanders in two weeks or anything like that. But as Desan Bacola said, as Brent Vittable said, plenty of stuff they want to improve on still. And for an Oklahoma defense to have only given up three touchdowns through four games and Brent Vittable's just like, yeah, there's like a bunch of stuff that we still need to get better at. Got to be pretty exciting for – I think that somehow there's still growth potential in this group, and we saw a little bit of that last year. They just yeah. didn't have the depth to, like, finish those games as they were playing better early. Yeah. Was was that big the, – the bust, was that the one that, that they hit the tight end down the sideline on yes. McCullough? So after that play, I watched Desan McCullough run over to the sideline and, like you said, get yelled get at by up. Brent Venables. Yes, get coached up. But what, what I thought was, was really um, telling about that was – after they're done, you know, chewing him out and yelling and every whatever whatever they were doing, they put him, they sent him right back out on the field. He didn't miss a snap. So that that shows that despite that bust, they still have the trust in him. They still, like you mentioned, they want to get him those reps. And that might partially be because they don't have the depth there today that they would normally. But still, the fact that he's still on the field, they still trust him enough in that situation. It's uh, as for Sooner fans, it's got to be comforting. And after the game, Desan he broke that moment down. He was like. It's not nearly as aggressive as what it looks like, um, but he's like he also said that part of that chewing was Brent Venables rebuilding the confidence, which mm. it's just an in football is an insane sport played by insane people that we love in a good way. That Brent Venables could be ready to rip into someone while also somehow still instilling confidence in that guy because <laughs> he decides like. Uh, Coach Venables knows I'm as hard on myself as everybody, so he's like, I wanted to correct it, but he also had to like give him the confidence back so that Desan wasn't like yeah, in his head, head about it. Yeah. What a weird, beautiful, incredible, kooky sport that we love. It is. You guys, we talked uh, during the week about Oklahoma defending a uh, dual-threat quarterback, a running quarterback. Uh, I thought they did fantastic today. There were a couple of plays, one or two, that I'm sure they want back, both through the air and uh, on the ground where they had maybe had him sacked, had Emory Jones sacked, and he spins away and creates something or throws incomplete or whatever it was. But I thought for the most part, 
he's a very dangerous quarterback, yeah. very skilled athlete, and I thought they contained him. And Brent talked in the postgame about being more disciplined in your rush lanes and putting a cage around him and not just going for kill shots. You saw Jaron Canick, for instance, go for a, oh, I got him, I got to run 100 miles an hour, and all he did was just kind of slip about <laughs> six inches to the left, and he missed him. You know, is that that sneaky? But what did you think? about the way they defended Emory Jones? I thought that the OU defense did a really good job. I mean, we, we worried, uh, OU fans worried that the pass rush was not going to be able to get home against, uh, you know, better competition after week one when they did not get a sack against yep. Arkansas State. And today, against the most mobile quarterback they've played all season, I think they brought him down at least twice, maybe three times. Um, but, but regardless, the OU did get multiple sacks. And I thought that they, like you said, they did a really good job keeping contained, not letting him get outside, uh, not staying. I thought they did, did a really good job staying within their rush lanes. Obviously, a few big scrambles, but that's to be expected when you play a dangerous quarterback like that. The one bad play that Danny Stutzman made is he got juked out pretty good around midfield by Emory Jones. Oh, yeah. But aside from that, I think that uh, OU's defense, uh, they did a pretty good job of locking him up. I, uh, I don't know his uh, ending rushing yards, but I think it was probably around 30 or 40 yards. 42, I think. Yeah, yeah. So. 58. Oh. 15 attempts for game, 58. 42 net. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So four, it helps if you actually look. <laughs> four, four, 42 yards rushing. I mean, I think that uh, any defense will take that against a really mobile quarterback. Yeah. One, one of that huge ones, erase, erasures, was on the Danny Setsman 11 yard sack. Yeah. Uh, two sacks, two quarterback hurries. It's not enough. Mm. Uh, it's got to be better. Quinn Ewers will torch this yeah, defense if true. they only get two. Now, Quinn is not, nowhere near yeah. as mobile can't as, run like this guy. as Emory. Uh, but Emory Jones threw the ball. 41 times. If he's thrown the ball 41 times, that means Oklahoma did a great job keeping him in the pocket. And Emory Jones in the pocket is where you want him to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He lost his job at Florida because he couldn't beat people from the pocket. He lost his job at Arizona State because he couldn't beat people from the pocket. I don't think he's in any danger of leaving, losing his job here. But they've lost uh, – they lost last week for sure in overtime because he stayed in the pocket and threw that pick. Yep. And today, I don't think there were, like, super egregious moments, but pushing the ball downfield – this Oklahoma secondary is legit. I think it's legit. I think it's for real. And uh, that that's exactly the game plan, and that game plan played out to perfection. And, like we said, we saw a ton of the blitzes, so you have to imagine that if it was a less mobile quarterback, like there were a couple of times, there was a blitz where Billy Bowman and Asan McCullough <laughs> were both coming off the edge, and McCullough basically sent Billy Bowman too wide because McCullough was there, and Bowman would have lit up a, a less mobile quarterback, but Emory felt McCullough stepped up, Bowman was gone. It, it was a... Uh, got to sync that stuff up but uh, i don't think that's a huge issue there was also a sack by rondell bothroyd where he's coming by the quarterback pulls him down it got called back because kendall dolby was offside oh yeah um but i i thought that in general rondell played well, pretty of, well like i said offensively and defensively a couple of glitches here and there randall your buddy zach schmidt made a couple of uh not chip shot field goals 130 and 134 so short manageable field goals he made them both yeah i, I think that uh you know uh he did what what you need your kicker to do uh, OU is going to need him to, to continue to be uh, money on those manageable field goals. And hopefully uh, for the Sooners, their offense is able to not put him in situations where he's got to kick from too far. Um, but, again, short range, it seems like he's uh, he's been pretty solid all season. Yep. Ryan, thoughts about the special teams? I thought that the big thing for J Zach Schmidt, too, is that last year he was really good in, like, first halves. And then mm, and, and, yeah. in some of the losses, clutch kicks were not his forte. Yep, there wasn't yeah. like a game winner, but he both of those kicks were high leverage, mm -hmm. games in the balance, very, very Absolutely. good kicks. Yeah. 
the punting was really bad in the oh first my half. God. It was rough. Coming out of coming out of halftime, it was a bit better, but they've. Brent even mentioned it in his post game press Yeah, the, so we the, got the punting things fixed or something like that. Yeah, like, and it, it looked it looked like two shanks, yeah, frankly, uh, in the first half. And I don't know how Oklahoma paddled out of the field position issue. Like it's a testament to the defense because. The field position, the the punts were stacking up. We talked about complimentary football. This was like aggressive, like derogatory football because like the offense couldn't get the offensive line sorted, and then they would like shake a punt, and since I would take like the plus forty five, I was like, yep. what is happening right now? Yeah, and, and I, I was wondering, doesn't know you have two punters, Elzinga and Plaster? Yeah, yeah. I, Plaster's I was, the boomer, right? And, and Elzinga's the situational. Today, and that, right. so that's what I'm wondering. If Plaster's supposed to be the boomer and he's punting the ball 30 yards, why yeah. why is Elzinga not getting a shot? But, I mean, like you said, end of the game it wasn't terrible, so yeah. maybe, maybe they did fix it. Ultimately, down the stretch, Oklahoma was not stressed in this game, but they yeah. were stressed throughout, I thought, to get to a point uh, in the fourth quarter where the game was comfortable. Yeah. And, you know, your, your attention could turn to Jaron Kanick and his health situation. And you could start thinking about things like uh, guys who were not on this trip, like I mentioned, Savion Bird, Justin Harrington. Who else didn't make it? Pearson. Reggie Pearson. Starting safety. Thomas. They're, missing Thomas, their, yeah. they're missing their starting safety. They're missing their starting cheetah. And they're missing one of their top rotational defensive ends. And, and put on this defensive performance. And starting left guard on offense, too, they were missing. Yeah, and, and still turning this defensive performance. So. Yeah. Pretty impressive stuff. I think, uh, like I said at the, t- at the top, Oklahoma's starting to turn a corner a little bit. I think here's the most important thing, and I'll mm-hmm. be writing about this at on Sunday. So if you're listening to this Saturday or Sunday morning, circle back. I have plenty of time in Denver, lay, lay over to write this story. But we've had two games that basically were not against real FBS football teams. Apologies to Arkansas State and Tulsa. Who got a win today, right? Tulsa won? Yes, I they think. did. Uh, not legit football teams. You got SMU, who was not good against TCU, but that game – was 14 to 11 early in the fourth quarter. What happened? One scoring drive, one stop, one scoring drive, game over, yep. right? Today, you have Cincinnati come down the field, hit a 54-yard field goal to make it 10 to 6. Mm-hmm. It could have been worse. First off, the should defense Should have been 21-3. Yeah, it should have been 21-3, and instead it was 10 to 6. That is where, like, how many times last year should it have been this, should it have been that, suddenly they're using the game, and it wilts away. Instead, what does the offense do? 75 yards on nine plays, six of those running plays against this defensive line. Oklahoma scores the touchdown, then gets the fourth down stop. Oklahoma gets the field goal. You want that to be a touchdown, but it was almost a a four-and-a-half-minute drive. That is, in two games that weren't just walkovers, Oklahoma showed up strong in the second half when they were stressed. They might have lost both of those games last year the way that they were unable to execute. Those are Brent Venable's words. Don't know if we would have won this game last year. He said that a couple of weeks ago. The the prominent member of Oklahoma City Television that you referenced earlier, I heard him uh, repeat that same sentiment uh, after the game. Shout out Michelle Montana, Tulsa. (laughs) Good stuff. Hey, Sooners win 20-6. Winning is hard. Going on the road and winning is hard. Going on the road in conference play and conference opener for the very first time in the school's history – and winning that conference game is the hardest of all, I would think. This has got to be go down as a quality win for Oklahoma. Uh, and I think the coaches and I think the players, they're going to go back, they're going to look at the film, they're going to come out. Jeff Levy had kind of an ashen look on his face at halftime, which you can imagine. And then it didn't really improve all that much in the post-game <laughs> press conference, which you can watch at allsooners.com. He was, uh, he was not happy, but I think what's going to happen is they're going to look around, they're going to watch the film, they're going to say, eh, just like always, it's not as bad as it looked. It wasn't as good as it looked. So there's something to build on for this 
football team. One to grow on. And now, head back home to a victorious, uh, an Iowa State team riding high off yeah. of a huge conference win. <laughs> Little change of plans this week, you guys. No more coordinator press conferences. That was handed down to us right before kickoff. Coordinator press conferences on Monday and Tuesday, or sorry, with, on Monday with Levy and Roof. Ixnay, no more. Those are out. So we'll be bringing you whatever. We're gonna, we've got post-practice player interviews on Monday and Tuesday. We've got the Brent Venables press conference on Tuesday. And we'll talk to the coordinators whenever we get a sec. Is that good enough? Good enough for me. Good, good enough, enough for me. This will be a, a big week to grow on. If this team is serious about nameless, faceless opponent, not buying into the hype, all yeah. that stuff, Huge look-ahead spot. Huge, huge look-ahead spot. That's an Iowa State team that is not great, but if you're not paying attention, if you're not yep. focused in, it's bit Lincoln-Riley teams before. That's right. Ask, uh, ask uh, Gundy. Ask Gundy. That did not look pretty today. Hey, we'll, uh, we'll keep it here at allsooners.com. We would ask you to do that because we're going to be, like I said, covering stuff all week. Pro, uh, press conferences, interviews. we got the, uh, po the uh, podcast. Episode, what would that be, 208? I don't even know. I'm losing count, you guys. I think this is 208. We'll have 209, 209 on Wednesday. In, yeah, on Wednesday. Lots of stuff coming at allsooners.com. Keep it here for all the coverage. Allsooners.com. For Randall Sweet, for Ryan Chapman, I'm John Hoover. See you guys.